You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous, the podcast about Broadway flops, scandals, and new work. I'm your host, Ebony Vines. And I'm your host, Pamela Shandro. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Theater Geeks Anonymous podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network and all your favorite podcast listening apps. Thank you. It cut out again. I don't understand. It's never done that before. Our whole, what are we at? Almost six years? It doesn't want to listen to my singing today. I'll tell it. I'll tell the microphone what I tell the dogs in the salon when they are like start barking at me when I start to sing. I'm like, hey, listen, this is a Broadway caliber voice you're listening to for free. That's right. You take it. You listen to it. You you absorb it. That's you don't right. Get to bark at me for singing. <laughs> so let me try that again and see if it works. Ready? Okay. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Okay, it works. Good. <laughs> <laughs> A little more subdued. <laughs> What's up, theater geeks? What is up? Welcome to the last episodes of this 2022 year. Goodbye and good riddance. That's what I say. I mean, I put this um in my Instagram stories. Somebody said, uh, I haven't heard one person say 2023 is going to be my year. Y'all must be real scared. It's like, what's the point at this point? Like, that's what I say. I'm like, after 2020, we were all like, it can't get any worse than that. And then but, it did. Yeah. And then like, it don't tri- say it out loud. It doubled down. And then it tripled down for 2022. I'm now like, we're you know in what? a triplet, flip, triplodemic. Uh, yes. Yeah. RSV, COVID and the flu. It's like, yeah. what is going on? Mm-hmm. What is going on? I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done with the people that are saying, I'm done wearing masks. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to get vaccinated. It's not fair. Shut up. So sick of it. <sighs> this is, I, the one thing I will add is that I really never said X year is going to be my year because life is hard. No, I never say that really. No, yeah, I know. I know. And, and I'm <laughs> always like, what? Like, you don't know what's going to happen that year. So to say it's quote unquote your year, it's like, you know what? Yeah. Some great things are going to happen and some crappy things are going to happen (laughs) because that's life. Yeah. What I will say is kind of a nice thing to do before the start of a year is to kind of set your intentions, say, these are the goals that I'd like to start and strive for, Mm -hmm. but to say something so definite, like I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to get this all by the end of the year. It's like, don't do that. Cause you will no. always be disappointed. Right. Right. And, like, and you can, yeah, you can say, I'd like to do this, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to all happen in this one year. I can get started mm-hmm. that this that's will be right. the year that I start doing this. And that's basically fantastic. what you're, you're basically saying people be reasonable. Right. Right. Just be reasonable. I'm nothing if not a realist. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's true though. Like I never, I never would do like, um, new year's resolutions. I hated them. Cause it was always like lose yeah, weight, too. get a boyfriend. And I was just like, guys, come on. Like, let's, how about we get a, a life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like those are not important things in the grand scheme of things. What Mm -hmm. I would like to do is set, you know, set a goal for, um, you know, maybe this year is the year that I start taking singing lessons like all the time. And Mm -hmm. I start to like really work on my voice again Mm -hmm. and then I'll stop it right there. If it continues on to that point and it leads to something else. Great. But like, that's where I'm getting, I mean, that is one of the focuses that I've got for 2023. Like, I really would like to just get my voice in shape again, even if it's just to sing for myself, mm-hmm. but I've kind of let it go for a long, long time. And I miss that. I miss singing. I miss getting together with someone that plays the piano and just like really giving everything I've got to the song in front of me. I just love that stuff. So I, that's yeah. something that I would like to do in the next year. I love that. See, that's reasonable. That's steps, you you know, that's like, we take this step and then we'll see what happens. You know, I I mean, I feel like every, 
I've never done resolutions either because I mean, it's like, I feel like, why do people even do them? You see yeah. what happens. It's like, and they also, become like, a joke. What's the difference between December 31st and January 1st? Right. Like what is automatically going to change just because the clock struck 12? It's so strange. Yeah. To this is not Cinderella. <laughs> it's not like, there's it's really no, not, there's no pumpkin and there's no glass slippers. It's just the reality. It's, it's true. So, um, resolutions. Yeah. What's the difference between the 31st and the first or, you know, June 6th, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, it's true. Just, you know, it's just another day. Like we yeah. I think there are, there is a significance to those dates, right? It's new year's Eve and new year's. Like it's, it is the start of a new calendar year. Mm -hmm. Our birthday is the day that we were born. Yeah. You know, these days do have significance, but I think we put so much importance on them that then it becomes like, like almost a challenge to us to like yeah. do something before that time. Like it's so, you know, like before you turn 30, you've got to do A, B, and C, and then you hit 30 and you haven't done A, B, and C. And then you're like totally disappointed with your life. And you yeah. also then haven't for 30 years been living in the moment because you've been doing everything you can to get this goal before that clock hits. And you're just like, knock it off. Mm -hmm. Relax. Mm -hmm. Life isn't about the stuff that you accomplish. It's about living and loving and learning. I'm just glad you didn't say laughing because. <laughs> nope. Live, laugh, learn. Uh, um, I think that's like, this is like the perfect conversation to go with the musical that I'm doing called okay. Celebration because it takes place during New Year's. <laughs> Love it. Good yeah. segue. Mm -hmm. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, today's musical is it's my turn and we are going to do the musical Celebration, uh, which is written by the makers of a very, very famous musical called The Fantastics. Yes. Yeah. I didn't realize they wrote it. Okay, that's fun. Yep, absolutely. Um, this one, <laughs> this one, is, I was telling Pamela before, um, it took me some time, I think, to compile all of the information inside of my brain and then get it out onto my notes in a manner that would be um, coherent, coherent because I just couldn't like it was such a terrible jumble in my head for a while but I will tell you all there's tons of resources for um, this musical that wasn't open very long which is our um, which is how all of our shows are but you know, some of our shows, we have a really difficult time finding information about, Totally, and this was absolutely not one of them. Fabulous. But it's almost like you're drowning in so much information that it's like, I yeah. can't, I can't organize this. <laughs> and to be fair also, I mean, some of the information was like the same reworded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yep. know? And so that's the other thing was just being like, okay, what? Yeah. Like, well, and it's hard too the... because similar to what you and I do when we're writing down these episodes, mm -hmm. you know, we take a lot from Wikipedia, which, you know, I think a lot of other people do too, or other people will take things from other references to put onto Wikipedia. So right. there is kind of a copy paste cross-referencing kind of thing going on. Yeah. And so I have like a ton of resources here listed. There'll be a couple others that I'll mention throughout the course of talking about this musical um, as well. But there's just so a lot of information. There are um, a few websites that I found like they had fantastic information, but I'm not sure it was necessarily conducive to what we do, which is like mostly factual based and not as much about um, a person's analysis that are not the creators, right? Um, but but still, I usually find those helpful in understanding like what worked about the show and what yeah. didn't work about the show. And that really can sort of um, give you some insight into like why the show 
maybe hit with some people and why it didn't with others. Absolutely. So, all right. Uh, some of the resources that I used for this show were Wikipedia, which is like usually a bit of the jumping off point. Yeah. Um, this fantastic article um, from the New Line Theater. It's called Inside Celebration, Insight and Analysis by Scott Miller. The Oxford Companion to the American Musical, Our Musicals Ourselves, American Musical Theater, A Chronicle, New York, the New York Magazine Review by John Simon from the February 10, 1969 issue, and Little Musicals for Little Theaters by Denny Martin Flynn. All right. So those are just a few. And like I said, some I'll also probably mention again in the body of this, but here we go. Celebration. <laughs> <laughs> Celebration was an idea that came from Tom Jones reading a Sumerian ritual battle about a Sumerian ritual battle between winter and summer. This mythology had a lot of meaning for Tom as he references in his conversation with James Morgan of Idle Chat, which is a video interview series procured by the, the York Theater, which did a production of Celebration in 2020, just before the pandy. Tom states how many of the most important events of his life took place on solstices and equinox dates, and they are now quite near and dear to his heart. Tom is um, 94, and so when they did Celebration at the York, he was 92 and he was there, and there's a great YouTube video of him talking about it, and a few of the um, original Broadway cast members were there oh, as well. Very cool. And they're also, yeah. And they're also talking about it. So we will put a link to that YouTube um, yeah. in the chat. It's really cool. According to Scott Miller of Inside Celebration, Harvey Schmidt and Tom Jones had worked on Celebration off and on since the Fantastics had opened in 1960, but they kept putting it aside for other projects. In the original Sumerian ritual mythology, summer represents youth and winter represents aging. These themes were embodied in the characters of Orphan and Angel representing summer as youth and Potemkin, the narrator in Celebration, and Edgar Allan Rich representing winter as aging. Celebration was incubated at the Portfolio Workshop, which was an institution developed and funded by Jones and Schmidt after their success with the Fantastics. They wanted to create a space for new works to experiment and this way of workshopping shows has carried on to develop some of our most beloved musicals, including a chorus line. If you wanna learn more about the portfolio and other works by Tom Jones and Harvey Schmidt, go to their website, jonesandschmidt.com, which is actually only like two years old. And it's oh. got like all the shows they did, Tons of information about the portfolio, which is no longer with us, but I mean, is like, sounds like a fantastic institution from, from what I read Cool. and, um, how so many musicals get workshop now, uh, instead of going off, going to off Broadway, which many felt would have, would have, um, been better for the show, mm. including its creators, it was immediately moved to Broadway. So I'm going to give you all a synopsis of the show. Okay. <laughs> Did you see me open my mouth to ask a question and then? <laughs> <laughs> you, I know you, you. I know you. Little, I know. <laughs> and you just like, keep going, keep going. Yes. I won't ask the question because I'm pretty sure you're going to explain it later. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> So here's a synopsis. And this synopsis is from Wikipedia. Um, you all can absolutely tell me if I'm wrong. Oh, I also want to say you can listen to the cast recording on Spotify, which is what I did. Great. So and I I, I like I like the music. Yeah. Um, I did. Nice. And a lot of people through what I've read, they they did too. Great. Okay. Settle in for this and really <laughs> listen <laughs> because it's like, okay. Um, I'm ready. And also I recognize <laughs> that we have a middle schooler, at least one who listens. So I am going to not read this word for word. Okay. Because we have underage people. 
Okay. Cover your little ears, darling. <laughs> no, Auntie Ebony is going to take care of it. Don't worry. Like, I'm not even going to say. Perfect. So don't, don't even, worry. I don't even have to beep it. It'll it'll just be omitted completely. Yeah, Perfect. we won't. You won't. I won't. We won't do it. Okay. <laughs> the narrator Potemkin is a Loki-like character, explains that if the world is on the brink of destruction, he wants to seize the day and celebrate being alive. The masked and that's in the song celebration. The masked revelers join Potemkin in a primitive ceremonial dance while Potemkin encourages the audience to participate. He describes the scene as a cold New, Year New Year's Eve. An innocent young man named Orphan is an idealist trying to survive the cold in his tough world. And then the song Orphan in the Storm comes. But the revelers taunt him. Potemkin, a dis disguised as a tramp, befriends orphan kids if you don't know what tramp means is basically an unhoused person yes um befriends or orphan he relates that his orphanage was purchased and eventually destroyed by a mr rich orphan wants to find rich to persuade him to restore the garden at the orphanage potemkin offers to be orphan's guide and demonstrates how to cheat steal bow and scrape in the song survive Orphan and Potemkin enter the dwelling of Edgar Allan Rich, a wealthy old man. There they see Angel, a beautiful girl with wings and a halo, who dances. Surprising Orphan and Potemkin and ends up in Orphan's arms. Angel is the, mm -hmm. Angel is the featured entertainer for the coming New Year's Eve party. She longs to be somebody and rushes off to perform. Jaded Mr. Rich is the guest of honor. He eats lavishly while complaining about the food, his health, and being bored. Okay. So he's like a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even know how to follow that. Okay. <laughs> Orphan has a piece of stained glass. The eye of God from the orphanage chapel window. Mr. Rich demands that Orphan leave, but Potemkin negotiates a deal. If Orphan can make the old man feel alive again, Mr. Rich will restore the orphanage in the song My Garden. Angel and the revelers join the singing, and Mr. Rich forgets himself and begins to con conduct the group. His is, uh, he's finally moved to tears, and he can feel emotion again. Mr. Rich describes his life story beginning as a penniless young man and eventually becoming a successful businessman, manufacturing products that replace real things with artificial ones, such as wax fruit, glass eyes, paper flowers, and I think false eyelashes. <laughs> his retelling, however, adds to his despair in the song, Where Did It Go? Orphan and Optimist urges the old man to see the beauty in life. Potemkin has an idea since Orphan reminds Mr. Rich of his younger self. Orphan will portray a youthful Mr. Rich and pretend to fall in love with Angel by singing a romantic ballad. Angel is unsure about this plan. She is not a romantic, but she is willing to give it a chance in the song, Love Song. Uh, the scene gradually turns from cold and bleak to green and summer-like as Potemkin acts as a ringmaster and increases the pace of the revelry. Mr. Rich and Orphan seem to blend together and Angel finds herself torn between the two. Potemkin oversees the holiday pageant as midnight approaches and he gives a note to Orphan. Overjoyed, Orphan goes to meet Angel in the garden. Um, I, in some of the items that I read, people likened or compared Potemkin to the leading player in Pippin. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense. You said Loki like, so yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the way that like Potemkin, you know, changes um, what they do or, you know, who they are based mm -hmm. on what is the best way to tell the story or lead orphan who was our Pippin type character mm -hmm. astray. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's also, if you consider that it, he also wrote the Fantastics, it is very yeah. similar to the story of the Fantastics. As oh, well. it totally is. 
It really, really is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like orphan and angel are the boy and the girl. I mm-hmm. mean, it's like it really. Yeah. Act two. In the garden, Angel looks stunning in gems and furs. Orphan is also struck by the beauty of the garden in the song, I'm glad to see you've got what you want. The partiers arrive and Mr. Rich expresses his joy dancing wildly with Angel in the song, it's you who makes me young. But he soon argues with Orphan about who owns the property, the garden, and orders the garden destroyed. Potemkin refuses to help Orphan in the song, not my problem. Orphan halts the machines that are about to destroy the garden by holding up his glass amulet in the song 50 million years ago. He says that he is an intermediary between the past and the future, and he defies Mr. Rich. Attendants and beauticians prepare Mr. Rich for the midnight New Year's party, making him look young. He narcissistically looks into a mirror and sees Orphan's face in his reflection. He is overjoyed at his youthful transformation in the song The Beautician Ballet. Just before midnight, the champagne is flowing and Potemkin is costumed as Father Time. Belly dancers, masks, and noisemakers all add to the carnival atmosphere. Angel is dressed as Eve in the song Under the Tree. She focuses on Mr. Rich with her her dance, but dances with Orphan in a unicorn mask. When Orphan removes the mask, Mr. Rich realizes that he has been tricked. The revelers act out the conflict between age and youth in a stylized scene, portraying Mr. Rich as winter and Orphan as summer. Each claims Angel for himself in the song Winter and Summer. Potemkin, as Father Time, calls out the hours one by one as Mr. Rich ages and collapses at the stroke of 12. Everyone is unmasked and must confront reality. Orphan sees that the garden is destroyed. Angel knows that she will never be a star. Potemkin blesses Angel and Orphan with a prayer for their survival. They walk to the outside world in the song Celebration Reprise. Okay. Not a happy ending. No. <laughs> I, it's Yeah, it's like, it's almost like there's no real resolution. But yeah. that's also the case with the Fantastics, where it's kind yeah. of like they come full circle to the beginning of the story, which is at the end of the story. And then you're just kind of led to believe that they live their lives the way they'd like to live their lives. But you don't really know that for certain. Right. I And again, in some of the things that I read, some people did feel like there was more of a definitely more hopeful ending in the Fantastics. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Which, yeah. I've seen it one time. My friend Juliet played Louisa for a long time here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Off Broadway? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Where it's been running for like 30 years or something stupid like that. It's the long, I think it's the longest running off-Broadway show right now, isn't it? Well, I. it's not still open. Oh, it's not. You're no, right. No, it, it closed yeah. a, a little bit before, like a few years before the pandemic, but it was the longest off-Broadway yeah. production in history. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, because I mean, it was 1960 to the early aughts or something like that. And it was a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, as you all, if, if you all know the fantastics, then you know that like Jones and Schmidt, their shows tend to be like, um, It's like you could do it on a shoestring budget, you know? So like, for example, um, you don't, you know, it's like to, to represent like father time, like signs were held up, Mm -hmm. you know, that like, look like somebody just wrote on them right then. It's just like very shoestring, very low budget. It's just about the story. It's just about the songs. Like you don't really need a ton of stuff, super shiny. So when I read that to you, I know like for me, I picture, I picture as Broadway, like super shiny stuff, but then it's like, you have to remember that that's not really how Schmidt and Jones envisioned Mm -hmm. things, you know, it's, 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 um, they really want you to use your imagination. And so, um, Tom Jones actually directed this. And so it was very much done in that way. Yeah. And, um, although I will say like, 
even though it was still done in that way, it was still like Broadwayified, mm-hmm. and um, in a lot of the the accounts, it, Jones and Schmidt felt like they wished to, like I said, it had stayed off Broadway because it it felt like it lost some of like the magical element to try yeah. to make it. Well, it's you know, like the bigger the theater, the more, yeah. or, the, or the, I guess the less intimacy you have. That's right. But if you've got this small little intimate theater, you, the audience can almost feel a part of the story instead of just being told the story. Right. And so the, um, the portfolio was, had like a 99 seat theater, right? Oh, okay. And so they went from that to flipping like 2000 seats and they were at the ambassador you know this like it's just it's too much and it does it loses all of its intimacy yeah and and that's like the fun quirky thing about the musicals that they write it's like anyone can do them anywhere you know high school uh church uh, yeah he literally mentioned all of those things there's (laughs) in that same youtube video i was just talking about called idle chat like he talks about he oh no no it wasn't the idle chat one actually it was the website one he has this video on the website and he was saying that he was like it can be done in church it can be done outside like yeah he he I love that you know they think about anyone anywhere being yeah, it's able accessible to do it. they're making it yeah. inclusive and accessible which is That's so right. fun I do because I want to interject just a little bit because in Go the ahead. 70s <laughs> I'm sorry in the 70s there were a lot of shows that kind of lent their self to that Godspell mm-hmm. and Pippin actually were yeah. two of those shows that I can think of right offhand and of course the Fantastics where because the story is the most important part you create the pieces of set and costumes that you need in order to tell that story. So with the Fantastics, the beginning of the Fantastics, there is a trunk on stage that the actors come on stage and they open up the trunk and they hand out pieces of fabric. And uh, yes, me too. And different props to create who these characters will be. And it's so fun and interesting, but it can be done in so many different ways. And I mm-hmm. guess that's what Tom Jones is saying. I th- I love that. And I love that it was so intentional from him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was. He's, he talks about that a lot. Um, and so speaking of the Fantastics, due to the slow burn of the Fantastics, the producers of Celebration had capitalized the show for $250,000 more than it cost to put the show up as a buffer in case it took audiences a while to hear about how good the show was through word of mouth, just like it took Fantastics a while to catch on, right? Okay, that is super smart. Yeah, yeah, was really smart. (laughs) Celebration began previews on Broadway at the Ambassador Theater um, the show had 13 previews and overall 109 performances. And that was because the producers had capitalized enough to keep it open if it didn't do well. Okay. And unfortunately, it did close on April 26th of 1969. So it did not catch on in the way that um, the Fantastics caught on. So here's the original, uh, first I want to say the creative team. So the book was by Tom Jones, music by Harvey Schmidt, lyrics by Tom Jones, uh, orchestrations by Jim Tyler, musical direction was by Rod Derefinko. As I stated, Tom Jones directed it and the musical numbers were staged and choreographed by Vernon Lesby. Scenic design was by Ed Wittstein. Costume design was also by Ed Wittstein and lighting design was by Ed Wittstein. Wow. I don't think I have seen any show where (laughs) the person did all three of those. Yeah. Well, that we've talked about so far. No, that we have. Yeah. But Phantom of the Opera had Maria Bjornsson, who was set designer and costume designer. But she also didn't also do lighting. No. See, I know that. I mean, it's incredible. It really is incredible. Uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and it was produced by Cheryl Crawford and Richard Chandler. And those are the two smarties who capitalized, overcapitalized. Nice. Yeah. So smart. Okay. They, they went through $250,000 in four months. I mean, yeah, they went through the initial capitali- capitalization plus the 250000 
thousand dollars. Wow. I mean, they must have been playing to like half capacity that whole time. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, but at least they were able to stay open that long means true. You know, so it's like at least they were on for that long. You know, that's a real a real win. Uh, Potemkin and the original cast was played by Keith Charles. The orphan was played by Michael Glenn Smith. And Michael was one of the people that I talked about who was at the York theater for the 2020 uh, production. Okay. And he's on that YouTube video that you can watch. Ted Thurston played rich. Susan Watson played angel. Glenn Bastian played the reveler. Oh, he played a reveler. And um, there were, I think they, the, I think there were like 15 revelers. Oh, okay. Um, if I remember correctly. And then a few uh, standbys. They had two standbys and four understudies. Wow. So, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's a lot for such a small cast. That's awesome, though. I mean, like, that's honestly the kind of representation that they need to be doing now. Totally. You know, and I, I mean, this is the other thing I love about Jones and Schmidt is their tiny cast, right, that can play multiple parts that um again it just makes it but then they have all these revelers right yeah. so if you have like a community theater production yeah. or you have you know like you Absolutely. just have a place for everybody uh, but yeah, you only or if need it's like, a high school production you can yep. just fit everyone who auditions into it that's great that's right and, and you'll also, have a pavilion revelers totally I love it I <laughs> had to look up Susan Watson because the name sounded super familiar yeah and she actually created the role of Louisa in the Fantastics love that I think Yes. And she was also there. She yeah. was also there um, at the York in oh, that YouTube oh, video. Nice. Okay. Yes, she was mm-hmm. very cool. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, that's, that's it for the Broadway production. There was a 2007 uh, off-Broadway revival um, of celebration. And then I already talked to you all about the York theater in 2020 did one. Um, and at that one also, I will say Tom Jones said he felt like um, he'd gotten it about where he liked it. So yeah. he did some like reworking and some rewrites and things like that for the York theater production. And, and if you all are familiar with the York, they do super short runs. You know, it's it's sort of like a New York City Center, you know, mm-hmm. with their off center and yeah. where they'll or bring encores. a show or encores, right? Yeah. You know, where they'll bring a show that hasn't been done in a really long time mm-hmm. and they'll just do it for like a weekend or like mm-hmm. a few days or something like that, you know? And um, the costuming is often like pretty minimal and mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's a little bit concerty you know right. and and so they definitely don't they don't have New York City center budget no. but they're great <laughs> and they have they are great. exactly the same caliber of actors I've yes. gone to see several shows there and they're the actors they have are absolutely wonderful and super talented yeah and I would totally recommend you know if you are interested in seeing something that you know is probably not going to be back on Broadway, yeah. but like, you're like us and you have like this taste of shows where you kind of would like to see what the, what it would look like because you talk about it and like, yeah. you weren't born when it was on Broadway, you know? Yeah. Um, and then of course I missed the 2007 production, you know, I wasn't able to see that and the 2021 I missed as well, you know? So I wish that, um, I had been able to see that, but like, the York's a great place to, to go and check stuff out. And yeah. apparently, um, in that, uh, idle chat video, Tom had been a frequent patron, um, and supporter for many years. And his wife did a bunch of like, um, I think she did choreography. She did several design things. I mean, you know, they were very involved and very much loved the York. So Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the show. Okay. Really interesting concept yeah. <laughs> to use a Sumerian yeah. battle for your, <laughs> man, the second these were wild. If yeah. you like, I mean, if you really consider they could have, they drew inspiration from every, from like they Greek did. tragedies and from Sumerian, you know, uh, like, summer solstice and, you know, equinox. It's like that. I mean, that stuff though, was really, 
interesting and exciting because you, you knew the bare bones of it, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you could really tell it in whatever way. I mean, we can still see that that is that that influence happens. Hadestown is the perfect example of that. Who doesn't know the story of Persephone and Orpheus and Hades and Eurydice? Yeah, we all kind of know it, but because it's a, a long time ago and because we really only know the basics, you can create anything you want. You can change the context up to kind of fit whatever purpose you're wanting it for. Yeah, and I think that yeah. is the kind of exciting thing about it. So true. Yeah. Um, I would like to read, I did want to do this, is just read a little bit of the New York Post um, review because I did mention it at the beginning of the pod. Which tab is it, friends? Who knows? Uh, so many tabs are open. So many tabs. I can't keep tabs open on my computer. Oh, I get a little, I get hives. Like if I've got more than four, I've got, no, I can't. I close, 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 close. <laughs> I, like when we're doing this, I, I like how I hyperlink it, but I get afraid mm. that like. Totally. No, me too. And, mm-hmm. and in those cases, I definitely do keep some tabs open, but like yeah. it just, you know, makes me anxious. I don't know why. Yeah, no other. Yeah, I shut them down if I'm not using them yeah. unless, but all of these I was. <laughs> My dad was trying to find something on his iPhone. This may have been this May, like when we were at the beach house or this mm-hmm. June, I guess. And he was trying to find something, but it was taking, it might've actually been last Christmas, but it, I digress. Oh, here he was trying is. to find something on his phone and he kept pulling up you know, new windows, but it was taking forever. And I was like, dad, how many windows do you have open? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, do you ever close them? And he goes, no. Oh and no. I literally like I went through and I just started like swiping up to get rid of these tabs on yeah. his iPhone. And I was just like, dad, this is why your iPhone is so slow. <laughs> Holy mackerel. And I think he was just like, you know, he just assumed if he closed it, it went away. I think like a lot of people, when they first got that yeah. function on the iPhone, but I was like, no, dad, you got to get rid of it. And then he was just, you know, reopening whatever that window was, man. I was like, dad, I got to teach you some stuff. And he's not, he's not a typical boomer, right? He's no, he's, he's not he's technically, both of my parents are very technically savvy and they both are progressive enough to kind of take what the new modern technology is and modern information is and go with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, my dad, I do. Your dad's great. My dad. <laughs> He's so freaking great. Um, okay, so I'm going to read just a little bit of the article of the review from New York Magazine, February awesome. 10th, 1969. There is a world of difference between novelty and newness, a new look and a new substance. The musical celebration with book and words by Tom Jones and music by Harvey Schmidt has a sleek up-to-dateness about it, but no innovation, to which it desperately pretends. Schmidt and Jones, two Texans whose initial New York gusher the Fantastics proved a veritable old faithful, specialized in a kind of artful simplicity, a bluff Texas folksiness with just enough of a showbiz veneer to create a seemingly newfound land on the musical map. Tin Pan Alley, Tin Pan Handle Alley. Newness, genuine newness is a state of mind, not a new suit with a different cut to it. You cannot on the one hand write 110 in the shade and I do, I do, which they both wrote. Mm -hmm. They're almost archetypal commercialism. Bedens, Bedens, Betty's end. (laughs) I don't know that word. Don't think I'm stupid, but I don't know it. With such tricky novelties as hiding the orchestra behind the backdrop or seducing the cast to two. And on the other, try to bring the theater, the musical comedy theater at that, back to ritual. Yet that's what Schmidt and Jones imagine they have done with Celebration. It is extremely doubtful whether ritualizing it, um, ritualizing is what our theater needs but in any case celebration is to ritual as Wasserman test is to Aztec human sacrifice wow I mean he didn't mince words there what does he mean by ritualizing it do you know I think it has to do with like the fact that this is 
like this is the Sumerian ritual mythology. Oh, okay. oh you know so what I mean? the actual and story he's talking about, not just the show overall. I think so. Okay. And because it, it, it is, I mean, it's, it's a, it is a retelling of this ritual of this battle between winter and summer. And so I think that's what he's getting at, but okay. I'm going to read a little bit more. Okay. Not that it doesn't try. The set is a proto-Shakespearean stage surrounded by a dark, shaggy patchwork cyclorama looking like a giant crow's plumage turned inside out. In the prologue, the 12 revelers, who will later assume a variety of ancillary roles, assume um, appear in pogish prehistoric garb on top of latter-day pantyhose and (laughs) capazios. Then the combination Harlequin, Gracioso, Rezonior, and MC steps forward for some reason. He is called Potemkin. Everybody was con- didn't understand why the MC okay. was called Potemkin. That was like oh. a regular thing okay. that people had struggles with. I don't okay. know why. Somebody, I mean, please tell me. If he's not me. introduced, are you, t- are you playing the significance of the name Potemkin? Yeah, Pete, like like he just said for some reason like he talked about the mc which was potemkin yeah. and he said for some reason he is called potemkin interesting it's like well why not <laughs> so many but he's like this this um critic is not like the only person to right. like take issue with that and i don't i don't get it perhaps well, because oh oh sorry. sorry go ahead and finish perhaps because to schmidt and jones einstein is still the oh these words, the Dornier Cree and sings the title song, which draws a parallel between a prehistoric New Year's Eve celebration and a modern one. After all, as the lyric says, we're like those ancient people in a way. If you'll just assist us with your imagination, we'll make this place a celebration. And there's something, sorry, and there's something bankrupt about a celebration that has to borrow a cup of imagination from his clientele (laughs) yikes so for the record like that's what uh, the reviews were super mixed to negative but that Mm -hmm. was the same thing for the fantastics which again was why the producers were like let's just backfill we'll have like this extra capital just in case the same thing happens because there's some there's just some creators that people don't get yeah you know and it takes the world a very long time to catch up with them right and I like I felt that way about Sondheim I think a lot of us do even though yes he's like revered but it's like when I saw I finally saw in person Sunday in the park with George Mm -hmm. I was like oh the world's technology has caught up with his brain (laughs) oh I love that okay yeah sure so I, I, I feel like that about these two is like, yeah. sometimes we're like, they're so ahead of their time. They're these forerunners that, that it takes people a long time to catch up with, or they are regular people tapped into the audience. And the audience is like, I get what's going on here. This mm-hmm. is hilarious. This is wonderful. Yeah. I have no, I don't care what the critics say, you know? Sure. Well, you're always going to find you know, a a percentage of audience that are like that for any show, but Um, to keep a show running from the sixties until the, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, a good story is a good story is a good story. And they do know how to tell a good story. And my, my initial thought on the Potemkin issue is that perhaps it's something in this Tom Jones knowledge from whatever he had learned at some point, you know, like yeah. he knows that because I just looked it up on the internet and there is something called the mutiny of Potemkin, yeah. which was a ship. And basically I just was reading it a little bit. I glossed over it while you were talking mm-hmm. a little bit so that I didn't lose both the conversation and this, but um, what it kind of seems like to me is that the sailors on board this particular ship uh, didn't like the quality of meat they were offered, but the ship's doctor said, no, it's fine. And the sailors were like, um, I don't like that you just said that because we don't think it is. And so basically they just like did a mutiny. They It sparked a revolt. Um, the, I guess the 
there was okay let's see confrontation between the delegation of the of the sailors mm-hmm. and the commander the executive officer who then i guess killed one of the sailors or like maybe the the head sailor that was in charge of doing this revolt i don't know what that means for the name of the show and it could be that this doesn't have anything to do with it and maybe there's another potemkin story but i guess my point is that perhaps there's like maybe tom jones heard a story in his childhood with the name Potemkin and it stuck with him to the point where that he just had to use that name. So I like the name. My thing is, I don't understand why I've read, I read so many times people being like, why is his name Potemkin? Like, it's a good name. Who cares? I I mean, I would be as confused about the name Edgar Allan Rich. Because I was like, why would you name him Edgar Allan Rich? I mean, I mean, Edgar Allan so obvious, right? Like, and I think that's sort of the point. <laughs> and so maybe critics are like, well, why would you go Edgar Allen Rich? Right. And, but you would do then Potemkin, which didn't feel to them like it fit or had any maybe connection. Like maybe that's why they're so hung up on it, but it just seems like a really ridiculous thing to be hung up on. Yeah. I just didn't understand why I read about it. And it was like several times people were commenting on that. And I was like, Y'all are, y'all are really feeling some kind of yeah, way about this. It's such a weird thing to get caught up on. No, it was like, it was like three different authors of articles. You've got your boy named Orphan and your yeah. girl named Angel. Like yeah. that, you didn't have a problem with that? No, but you're all in up in arms about Potemkin. This is what the real issue is, I guess. Oh, interesting. <laughs> That's really wild. Isn't it? <laughs> oh, well, uh, I, friends, yeah, weird. if you haven't listened to celebration on Spotify, I recommend you do it. It's also on YouTube. You know, if you don't have Spotify, great. Like, listen, you know, I mean, I liked, I find, I found it an enjoyable listen. Nice. Um, definitely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There was a moment, though, when I was reading the synopsis about Angel, who is this, um, she's a sex worker and a dancer, and she she wants to, um, but her focus at the beginning of this, this musical is to, like, be more, and she's very ambitious and, like, career-driven, mm-hmm. which is, like, a thing I love, but then, of course, like, it always yeah, gets- she has to change herself. Right, just it. And she wasn't like changing herself for a person from any of the synopses I read, you know, it it was, it was like, you know, she's actually what it feels like in a lot of the things I read, she's actually the hero. Right. And so people think the orphans, the hero, he's not, he doesn't really change throughout the course of the story, but she does. So I think she's actually the hero in the story. She's reminiscent Um, to me, the way that you described her just then of like a Dulcinea. Okay. Kind of character. Does that make I, sense? I was thinking, um, <laughs> I, that's more, um, highbrow than what <laughs> I was thinking, because if any of our listeners have watched slings and arrows, they will know that in the third season, there is this musical that is so bad and is purposefully <laughs> terrible, which I do not feel that celebration is particularly bad. I will not say that it's like, my super mega jam but it's not a bad show like th- yeah. I'm, that's not what I'm saying but <laughs> there's this character in it who is a sex worker and it's the same exact thing like she wants to be a like it's the same story mm-hmm. and she sings a song called trying to be heard which is like purposefully not supposed to be great and I think get to talk to the writers of it who like, again, purposefully wrote, wrote a bad musical because that was like the point of this, uh, this season of the show. <laughs> but like, that's all I could think in my head the whole time I'd read this is this girl singing, I'm trying to be heard, which is like super on the nose and ridiculous. And Tom Jones, if you ever listen to this, that's not what I'm saying about your musical. <laughs> all I'm, I'm saying sure is that's what that. popped into my head, but you are a great writer. <laughs> Like, I need you to know that I believe that about you. Yes, you are. That's, you're, you're, that song popped in my head. So you're like your uncle Tom. 
He's yeah. our uncle, Uncle Tom. Uncle Maybe Tom. we should call him Uncle Jones. Uncle, Uncle Tom Jones. Is, okay. Uh, Uncle Tom is a little. Oh yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Let's Whoops. call him Uncle Jones. Uncle yeah, Jonesy. Uncle Jones is better. <laughs> got Uncle Charlie and Uncle Jonesy. We do. Uncle Charlie's passed on, but yeah. Uncle Jones is still with us. Yes, he 94. is. 94. Bless your heart, man. Keep I know. going. Absolutely. He's still writing. Love that. Love it so much. He's got some stories to tell. He does. His. <laughs> I'm telling you all, please go watch that video from the York from two years ago. Now, listen, I don't know who videoed it. I'm not going to tell you it's neat. Okay, because that mess is shaky. I'm not gonna lie. They put the phone down a couple times. It's not. It's not clean. But it's illegal. You can so. hear what they say. There you go. And you That's can great. see them most of the time. Okay? okay. And there's titles on it to let you know who is who. Oh, great. So you know somebody kind of edited. <laughs> um, but cool. In that one, the idle chat one. And then if you go on the Jones and Schmidt website, you will also get, see a video of his, where he talks about, because like I said, that this uh, website was only built a couple of years ago. And so Harvey was already passed on. So it's only Tom who does the YouTube videos, but like each musical that they wrote together, he's talking about it and saying like how they envisioned it done and like what their dreams were for it. And yeah, just, that's how I knew about celebration. He was like, do it in a backyard, do it in a, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. Aww, he's so precious. I love that. <laughs> so great. I love that. It's, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I love that. Me too. Me too. We, you know, you, you think about, uh, expectations of audiences today. Yeah. And the expectation is that it is this spectacular thing that you have to mm-hmm. put out all the stops and you have to spend all of the budget and you don't because no. at the end of the day, it is really about the story that's being told. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he makes that easily accessible Yeah, to everybody. And that's what I love too. It's like, if you try to do it as a community theater, you know, you're not going to break the budget. You could probably costume it and set design it with stuff you've already gotten the back. That's right. It's great. Yeah. So friends, that's it for celebration. Happy new year. Thank you for listening. Uh, Yes. (laughs) And have a great one. Make like, you know, reasonable goals right let's be realistic here yeah be a little pragmatic that's it pragmatic new year that's great i love it (laughs) bye Bye. (laughs) thank you for listening to our podcast theater geeks anonymous you can follow us on instagram and twitter at tgabway and on facebook at theater geeks anonymous and if you want to tell us how much you love us or you have a great story about one of the shows we've talked about, drop us a note at TGABWAY at gmail.com. You can also support us by going to patreon.com forward slash TGABWAY. Until next time, geeks. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.